How's everybody feeling tonight? For those of you that have not, you know, you, you were waiting to worship right there, don't worry, we are going to worship and it is going to be awesome. I just wanted to come out and tell you guys about a few things beforehand. And we're starting this new series this week called My Jam. How many of you guys have a jam? You got that one jam? That like no matter what happens, when that, when that beat drops, the conversation stops, right? And you immediately start thinking about that song. You start thinking about that groove. And how many of you guys will dance no matter who's watching? Anybody? Anybody out there? I have gradually got up to that place where it's okay. And what we're doing during the My Jam series, all right, for the next three weeks, is we're going to be taking a few worship songs, and we're going to be breaking the lyrics down so we can tell you what they mean and, and what, what the, the artist is trying to say. But also, we're going to be talking about some things that you might see here in 4640 worship, all right? Because there's a lot of stuff. Hey, girls, can you focus up for me real quick? Thank you so much. There's a lot of stuff that you might see here in 4640 that maybe you haven't seen before, or there's just some stuff that you're not comfortable doing yet. Well, we want to just call it all out in the open and talk to you guys about some of that stuff. Now, it's all about, worship is all about responding to the spirit in the room, responding to God. That's what worship's about. It's about responding to the spirit. It's not like at every moment you have to have your hands up, or you have to have your hands wide, or you have to kneel, or you have to do this. It's not, it's not a, about what you like should or have to do, what it is about is responding to what God is doing in the room. That's what, it's, that's what it's about each and every time. And when I think about how you can respond to something, I always think about this one commercial. This dude in this commercial, he gets his favorite football team's tickets during the playoffs, and his response to getting those tickets is awesome. It's one of my favorite commercials like I've ever seen ever. Check it out. When StubHub tells Alan there are two tickets in his favorite section at his set price, Alan says, Booyah! Wow. Hey, we are going! Wow! Let's do this! Wow. Yeah! We didn't get a what what? Let's get fired up! Let's get fired up! Hey, you can't have your fan out in here. Yeah! Playoffs. There might be a few things in your life that you will kind of fangirl out on and in for and stuff, but that response like that, that fan that comes out of him, that, that person that celebrates, like if your favorite person on the planet is Taylor Swift, if it is, if your favorite person on the planet is Taylor Swift and you're front row in her concert and she goes to give you a high five, is your response to that this? No. If Taylor Swift is your favorite person on the planet, your response is, ah! like that. You're going crazy. And that's the truth. But what we're talking about tonight is during worship, our response to the Spirit of God can look like that, that crazy fan inside of you coming out, that, that person that celebrates, that person that dances, that person that jumps, that person that responds to the creator of the universe in the room. Your response to the creator isn't just one thing. It's different because God isn't just one thing. He's different too. So tonight, I want to talk about when we're 
up here worshiping and it's like a high praise song. Like the beat is bumping and the music's crazy and the lights are going nuts and everybody on stage is dancing that we can dance, we can jump and we can clap along with the song and we can respond to what God's doing in the room. We don't have to stand there to be stoic or anything like that. Now there's a story in the Bible about a dude that danced hardcore, all right? He was awesome. His name is King David. Now, you got, most of you guys are probably familiar with King David. You guys have heard of David and Goliath before? Probably. See, same dude. I want to jump into um, a part of his life that's after the whole Goliath thing. He already became king. He actually conquered Jerusalem, which is the capital of the, the Israel, Israelites, and the capital of basically God's, God's promised land. And he sacked this, um, the, the city, meaning he captured it, and now he wants to bring the presence of God back home. Now, in the Old Testament, the presence of God had to be withheld from humanity because people would die from sheer awesomeness, which I know is a Kung Fu Panda quote, but it's true. It's true, all right? In the Old Testament, the presence of God had to be held in the tabernacle or in the Holy of Holies or in the Ark of the Lord. Now, the Ark of the Lord looks something like this. This isn't an exact picture of it, but its detailed description is found in the book of Exodus. And it has these two crazy awesome angels on the top of it, and it's this big chest. And inside the chest is Moses' staff, all right, Aaron's staff like that, that split the Red Sea. There's some manna from heaven, which is like some really heavenly crackers, basically. Way more awesome than it sounded just there, okay? And, and also like the, the tablets with the Ten Commandments, the, those types of things were held inside this chest. And it was known that if you were to touch this chest, you would die from sheer awesomeness, all right? Seriously, you would drop dead. So that was, that was well known. You're not supposed to touch the ark of the Lord. And so David, he, has, he wants to bring the ark of the Lord back to Jerusalem, to the capital of the promised land. It's one of David's purposes and missions in life is to bring the presence to where it's supposed to be. And so David isn't in a time of war during this story as we're gonna start out, but he is in a place that um, is super important. It's, it's super happy time. For David, so David takes like 30,000 elite troops and he throws a party, like a party. He is partying it because he's like, this is a celebration. We're bringing God's presence. We're bringing this wonderful thing back to Jerusalem or, or, or to Jerusalem for the first time. And it's gonna be awesome. So we're gonna jump into the story of where they're starting to travel with the ark. They're partying in front of it. They're all walking together. And this is, we're gonna jump into the story. Second Samuel chapter six, uh, verses six and seven. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacken, um, I don't know if that's how it was pronounced, but the threshing floor is like this big flat place where they would separate uh, grain from uh, the stalks. And the oxen stumbled. So what they had is they had the ark on a cart pulled by some cows. That's, that's, what, it was, that's what it was happening, okay? The oxen, the cows, they stumbled and Uzzah, which is a dude's name, like Steve or something, right? Reached out his hand and steadied the ark. What are you not supposed to do? Touch the ark. That's right. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. That would be a downer 
in the middle of a party, right? Have you ever been like at a really cool, awesome like uh, party at like Spin City or something like that and someone just like murdered a kitten? That would kill the vibe, right? That would kill the vibe. That, that's only happened to me, don't worry. Now, can you imagine some dude touching the ark, everybody's partying, and then dude just dead, right? That's, that's a downer, big time. And David, David abandons this, abandons the whole mission here. In verse nine, he says this, David says, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, which is like Eric or something like that, right? It's just a name of a dude. So they took it to this dude's house. He said, let's move it off the road. I'm done. We're not going to do this anymore. So David abandons this passion that he had. He had this passion to bring back the, the ark of the Lord to Jerusalem. And he abandons this because this crazy thing happened. And I wonder how many times during worship that we've been in a place where something pulls us out of worship and we abandon the rest of the set because of it. Like we're in worship and it just, something distracts us and we never get back into it. I mean, distraction in worship setting can look a lot of different ways. Maybe somebody nudges you. Maybe your friend starts talking to you. Maybe someone drops a drink or something like that. One time in worship in big church, I was going crazy and I just smoked my wife in the, in the head with my elbow because I was getting rowdy. You smoked your wife in the head with an elbow too? It's crazy. Now, that distracted my wife and it distracted me because I was like, I feel like a terrible person. And, and distractions can happen, but this is what distractions do. Even if they're small, small distractions can kill your passions, especially in worship. See, obviously it's not common to have someone elbow you in the face. But it is common to have someone accidentally nudge you or your friend talk to you. And Satan wants to use distraction to kill your passion in worship. That's what he wants to do. And just like David had this distraction, he gave up on this mission, he, he abandoned it. We cannot give up on the worship set, on the worship time because something small happened to us. We got more purpose during worship than that. And I think God deserves a lot more than that, yeah? Absolutely. So we can learn from David right here to not give up on this. And David doesn't give up on it. He actually comes back into a place um, because at Obed-Edom's house, the ark of the Lord was blessing his house like crazy. Like basically his bank account just started shooting up like, like big time. And like, instead of driving a Civic, he drove a Beamer, you know, and things like that. We're starting to happen at Obed-Edom, you know, or Eric's house. Uh, so, so David says, you know what? I'm going back. I'm going to bring the ark. I'm going to bring the ark back to the city of David. And so this is what um, happens after, uh, in 2 Samuel 6, 13, he says, after the men who were carrying the ark, they got way more smart about it, by the way. David's not an idiot at all. He's like, we're not gonna <laughs> make the oxen stumble anymore. They actually had a plan. After they, the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf, and David danced before the Lord with all of his might. This is the same dude that killed Goliath. So I'm guessing with all of his might was intense. All right, I don't know if he's doing gainers and just spinning on his head in the dirt or something like that, but he's dancing before the Lord with all his might. 
And he was wearing a priestly garment, which in the Bible means not much, okay? Just true, he's probably really sweaty or something like that after dancing so hard. And so he wasn't wearing a lot. And he's wearing something that could have seemed a bit scandalous in the day. And that's gonna come up a little bit later. So David and the people of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. See, David does something differently this time. He doesn't just throw a party. You can throw a party for whatever reason you want. It says specifically, not that David danced for other people, not that David rose his hands in worship because his friends were doing it. Not that, not that David was jumping because everybody was jumping. It said that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. See, David's responding to God in that moment, not to other people. David's responding to God, and he's responding to God with all of his might. And he's bringing the presence of God to his home by doing that. See, there's a response to God in this, in this text. And uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. See, David's delighting in God. He's responding to what God is doing in the room. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, 4640 is your home. And if you respond to the spirit of God, it helps usher his presence home. It helps usher in God's presence here in 4640. So when you dance, when you jump, when you clap before the Lord with all of your might or with some of your might, with anything, if you respond to God, he will come here. He absolutely will be here. If you delight in God, he will show you just how much he delights in you. See, it's this crazy thing. The more you respond to him, the more he responds to you. The more you respond to him, the more he responds to you. And then we get to places in worship that we never thought was possible because we're responding to the spirit of God in the moment. David tapped into that. This outlines a relationship, not just religion, not just what you should do. It's like, God, I want, I want to do what you are wanting me to do right now. I'm going to respond to you. Psalm 150, verse four says, praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Just praise him with whatever you have in your hands. Clap, snap, dance, jump. Praise him. David does this. And now, when David brings the ark into the city of David, um, he, he does that and he's going nuts. He's going crazy. It says in 2 Samuel 6, 16, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, which is a girl, all right? This is David's wife. The daughter of Saul looked down from her window and she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she was filled with contempt for him, meaning she judgy. She was very judgy. She was looking at him dancing in his priestly garment, not much, but he's dancing for the Lord and she looks at him like he's a fool. In fact, um, she says it to him. She actually like calls him out on this. I don't know if you've ever like heard your parents fight or like came into a fight that's happening between friends when it gets crazy, right? When, when words are said and you're like, whoa, I need to back out. That's kind of this interchange that they have right here. And 2 Samuel 6 says this, David returned home to bless his family. Michael, Mike, I want to say, uh, not the L, because it sounds like a dude's name, but Saul's daughter came out to greet him, his wife, and she says this, how wonderfully the king has distinguished himself today, exposing himself to the eyes of the servants' maids like some burlesque street dancer. 
That's crazy. That, that's crazy. Listen to David's reply. This is what David says. In God's presence, I will dance all I want. And this is where it gets nuts. He chose me over your father and the rest of your family and made me prince over God's people over Israel. Oh, yes. I'll dance to God's glory more recklessly even than this. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll gladly look like a fool. That's what David says. That's what that, seriously. Seriously, you go like, oh, snap. I can't believe he said that. I cannot believe he said that. The last verse in that chapter gets even crazier. Michael, Saul's daughter, was barren for the rest of her life. I mean, she, could, she never had kids again. That's what that means. What? See how that, that escalated quickly, right? It went from dancing to like never having kids again. Very fast. But this is what happened. When the Bible says this, something else that we need to know. When you see someone else responding to God, you got two choices. You can judge them or you can join them. See, when you, I believe that if you judge that person and you look at someone, because what's the, what's, what's the first thought in your mind before you dance, before you twirl? You're going to look like a fool. You're going to look stupid. You're going to look dumb. I know Joe's up there dancing like crazy, but he's weird. Don't, 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 do something, don't do something like that. See, Satan wants to restrict you. He wants to keep you in this little box of what you should look like and what you should do. And God's saying, you can never put me in a box. Why should you be in one? That's what God's saying. You can't put God in a box. Who can put you in one? Nothing. So we got two choices. We can judge them or join them. Now, when you look at someone responding to God and you judge them and you say, that's, that's stupid, that's dumb, the Bible says that Michael never produced kids again. She was barren. And I believe that when you make a stance, when you judge somebody else for something like that, it will only lead you to a place that's like a desert. It will only lead you to a place where you're not going to be able to, to reap fruit and reap things from God that are good, that God wants from you, because you are because you'll, you'll be in a place that's like prideful. You'll be blinded by that. Or you could join them. You see, if I see someone dancing like crazy, and I, I guarantee you all of these people on stage, Joe and Jeremy and all these guys up here that are, that are singing, that are dancing, their job is to hear God and respond to him. And I trust that they hear him. Believe me, they do. So if they're jumping and they're dancing, I guarantee you that the Spirit of God's doing something in this room. And that's an invitation for you to jump in on it. It's, it's this thing called honoring the point. All right, have you got, how many of you guys have ever encountered hunting dogs or hunted with dogs before? Some of you. Let me, let me give you a lesson on what happens. See, if a dog gets on a scent of a bird during hunting, he, that dog will point at where the bird is with his whole body. He's like, like, you obviously know where I'm looking right now, right? Now, the, if there's another dog that doesn't have the scent of the bird, needs to know where to go, he looks at the dog that has the scent, and he points the same way. He honors the point. Then both dogs are always pointing at where the scent is, where the bird is. See, if I see Pastor Joe up there dancing and clapping or snapping or jumping or whatever, I'm, I know he's encountering God, so I'm going to honor the point, and I'm going to do the same. 
Maybe it's someone down here that doesn't care about what their friends are saying or anything like that. They're jumping, they're clapping, they're going nuts. Well, if they're encountering God, I want to do that too. That's what honoring the point looks like. We can judge them or we can join them. There's a few ways that we can respond to God and worship, just like David did. We should follow his character. We should dance, we should jump, we should clap because he's worth it. Okay, so Psalm 149, I want to look at this first verse. And this is what it says. It says, hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, if anybody says that, that literally means God be praised. All right, if we ever hear it in a song and we're singing like, hallelujah, the lamb is overcome. Yeah, that's a song It says hallelujah, right? And so we're like, what is hallelujah? It just means God be praised. So it says, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's time to sing to God a brand new song. So the Bible says to sing a brand new song. So tonight we're going to sing a brand new song because we don't sing the same songs every week. All right. It's not like we're singing like the old Gregorian chants of like, right? I don't know if anybody would be in here if we sang those songs every week, right? We're singing new Songs And it says, so that all his holy people will hear how wonderful he is. May Israel be enthused with joy. I don't, it's like enthused with joy. I'm going to start using that. It's like, instead of being like, all right, everybody, let's get pumped. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, everybody, let's get enthused with joy. Yeah. It doesn't have the same. It's not the same. It doesn't feel quite the same but it's in the Bible. So it says, enthused with joy because of him and may the sons of Zion pour out their joyful praises to their king. All right, so this new song is called Freedom Wild. And let me tell you right now, this is my jam, okay? This is my jam right now. So this is a new song. So let's take a look at the first lyrics. It says this, in the dark night I was wandering and then you call my name. And I came running. Okay, so let's think about this. There's plenty of times in our life. It's not like we're literally running in the dark, but there are plenty of times in life where we don't really know what's gonna happen next. We're feeling a little lost. We're, we're, we're like in between friends and we're feeling a little lonely or our parents are having trouble and, and we feel a little bit lost and it just feels like dark. But then it says, and he called my name and I came running. And that's what we should do. Anytime we feel lost, anytime we're not sure what's going on in life, he's the first person that we should run to. And then it says, you took my shame and you set my feet to dancing. All right, now, if I were to set your feet on fire, what would you be doing? Right? Right? You'd be like, ah! 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 Right? Stop, drop, and roll, all that stuff. So... If I were to set my feet to dancing, it'd be like this. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, I like, right? Set my feet, similar to setting my feet on fire, but a little cooler, right? And so when it says set my feet to dancing, that's what we're doing. Now, okay, there's, there's a lot of different praise songs, right? And we, we have this thing here at the church, it's called the praise party, right? And so. We think here at 4640 that if we're praising, we better be partying because if we're not partying when we're praising, then we might not be praising, right? It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enthusiastic. It's supposed to be enthused with joy, right? So 
In those moments, though, I understand. There's some songs, and we like to call these songs cardio praise. It's like, jump as much as you can for as long as you can till you can't breathe anymore, right? It's really hard for me to do that while I have to sing on stage, right? I have to be in really good shape to do that, which I'm not, okay? So sometimes a praise song doesn't have to be jump as fast as you can, as much as you can, right? It can be just having fun. It can be swaying a little bit, right? It can be doing a little bit more of that stuff. So this song, it's got some cardio praise in it, but it's not just like all cardio praise, right? The beginning maybe starts with some snapping, all right? And it's just a little bit like this, right? It's good. Now let's listen to look at this verse in Psalms 149. It says, break forth with dancing. We're going to break out with some dancing. We're going to break forth with it. It says, make music and sing God's praise with the rhythm of drums. Now, rhythm. I understand not everybody is blessed with rhythm. I get it. I get it. I get it. But let me explain something to you, okay? There are four beats in a song. We clap and we snap on two and we either go one, two, three, and four but we're going to clap on three and four. Let me show you the difference, okay? This is, this is one and three. This is what many people in the music world will call the white way, all right? It'd be like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so little. Okay, that's, that's one and three, and that's lame, all right? Now, listen to the difference. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Got it? Two and four, people, not one and three. It's either one, two, three. It's either Jesus loves me, this I know. All right? If you have it, say, yes, Pastor Joe, I got it. And don't forget it. Okay. Now we're going to go into this course, and it says this. It says, running wild, throwing chains off of freedom. Lord, you have saved us. You have saved us. Listen to this verse. It says in Psalms 107, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he's done for us. Guys, the greatest thing that Jesus did when he was on that cross is he snapped your chains. What are your chains? I don't know. Your chains could be different from my chains. Maybe your chains are temptation. Maybe your chains depression. Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe it's a difficulty at school. Maybe you're not getting along with your parents. Whatever it is, chains weigh you down. But here's the thing. Jesus, when he, what he did on the cross and when we ask him into our hearts, he snaps those chains. Now, if you had a chain that wasn't locked but was still on top of you, would you still feel those chains? Absolutely, they would weigh you down. And so in the song, it says you throw them off because they're already snapped, they're already unlocked, you're not strapped down at all. You can throw them off at any time. And in these moments of praise and we declare God's greatness and we are enthused with joy for God, that's what we're doing is we're throwing off our chains. Let's look at the next part. It says, free to shout of your name and your glory, all for you, Jesus, running wild in your freedom. Now, freedom, running wild in your freedom. What does that look like? All right, it says, doesn't necessarily say running wild in our own freedom. It's running wild in his freedom. 
this is how I kind of picture it, all right? Imagine like this horse, this like this wild stallion, all right? And it's in a cage, right? And that wild stallion, it does not like being in a cage because it's restricted, right? It keeps running in and it can't do what it wants. Now, if somebody were to open the gate and that horse were to run, like get out of the cage, what's it gonna do, right? It's gonna be like trotting. It's gonna be like trotting in place, trotting in place, trotting in place, right? It's gonna be like blowing like it's, it's a beautiful mane. It's gonna be like, <laughs> right? It's gonna be doing all that. It's gonna be free to do whatever it wants. It's gonna be galloping and then just running like crazy. Now, it's free. That horse can do whatever it wants. Is it gonna just, like as soon as it gets out of the cage, run straight and just run right off a cliff? No, why would it do that? It will die. And that's dumb. God gave you freedom, it's true. But he didn't give you freedom so that you would choose death. And there are so many things in our life that we are free to do that kind of bring death into our life. Choosing to lie, choosing to cheat, choosing to not forgive somebody, choosing to like accept depression or, or, or just sad thoughts, to choosing to not forgive, choosing to do all of these things, choosing to bully. Those things can bring death in our life. And that's not the freedom that Jesus wants you to run wild in. He wants you to run wild in his freedom, which is you're free to live in peace. You're free to live in joy. You're free to live an excited life, passionate about him, passionate and loving other people. He understands that the best life for you is the life that he has set up for you. The very things that he created you for, which one of those things that Jesus created each and every person in this room for is to worship him. And so when we do those things, we really come alive. We're truly running wild in his freedom. Next verse says, living in your light by your spirit. Oh, I know your voice. Oh, I can feel it. You lead me on, right? So John 10, 27 says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And the song perfectly illustrates God's voice. It's not like we hear God's voice in our ears audibly. It's not like, Joe, hello, right? He doesn't do that, but he talks to me in my heart. I can feel his voice, and I know that it's him. So that's a beautiful thing. And then it says, and you set my feet to dancing, right? We're gonna say, oh, oh, what's happening? I don't understand, right? Okay, yeah, all right, set my feet to dancing. Now there's this next part, it's called the bridge, and it goes, nothing to hide, your love alive in us, we'll shout it out, we are free now, nothing to fear when you're here with us. Now, scripture says that God's perfect love, the love he has for us, the love that he showed when he died us for us on the cross, that that love casts out all fear. And maybe there's been times in your life, maybe even recently, when you've experienced fear. A couple nights ago, me and my, my wife, Julie, we were sitting on the couch and she noticed that there was a fire in the Redlands and that's where we live. And she, we had no idea where the fire was. And for a while there, it was kind of scary. We were like, where, where is this fire? This fire is close. If it's, if it's up in the Redlands, that's where we are right now. And we had this opportunity to choose fear. But then we remembered God's perfect love and we're protected. We're safe. Even, even, even if my house burns down and I have to get out of my house with my kids, I know I'm safe and I know I'm still loved. And I don't have to choose fear even in those moments where I could be afraid. Maybe it was that lockdown you guys had a couple weeks ago and you were stuck in, a, in, a, in your class and you didn't know what was going on. And maybe you had an opportunity to choose fear, but God's saying, 
nothing to fear when God is here. There's nothing to fear because his perfect love, it casts out all fear. Yeah, there's times where, where we might want to feel afraid and there's, there's reasons to be, but the Bible says that if God is for us, what can stand against us? The Bible says that, that whom shall we fear? The, the Bible says that God is with us always to the ends of the earth, that he goes before us, that he comes behind us, that he's to our left, to our right. They will never leave us. They'll never forsake us. So in our lives, we have nothing to fear. Guys, this song is my jam because it's just something it did in my heart. It was just this idea that I can be free to worship him, that he set me free and I can run wild in it. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about praising God. We're talking about getting a little crazy. We're talking about getting a little wild for him and using that freedom that he gave us to express our thanks, our joy, and our love to him. So would you guys like to do that with me tonight? All right, everybody, come on forward. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.